Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Kules. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in Madrid, Spain. And in today's episode, Ben Hayward joins me as we assess La Liga teams as this World Cup break is upon us. During this World Cup break, we will be doing some episodes weekly. We will be talking about the World Cup and the players to watch and some of the teams that we've been seeing and just going from week to week until Barca return December 31st. Before we get into that conversation that Ben and I had about La Liga, just wanted to talk quickly about our Patreon community. Again, it's a great way to help support the podcast. It's only $5 a month. And again, as I always say, it's a virtual pena. So if you are in a city or in a town that doesn't have a pena, this is a great way to connect with other Kool-Aids around the world that have the same passion for FC Barcelona as you do. As I always say... Whenever you want to talk Barca, there's someone on the other line. But also we have Mariana, who goes to the matches, shares the video and photo content from the Camp No. We have Kim, who shares the daily headlines. And of course, we always talk news and notes, transfers, stories, TikToks, whatever, about FC Barcelona. So if that's something that piques your interest, try it out. It's five bucks a month. It's nothing. The link is in the show notes. After this short break... Ben and I discuss La Liga so far. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so Ben Hayward joins us on the podcast. Ben, it's been a while. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you, Gabrielle. How about you? Yeah, hanging in there. We were just talking beforehand, just kind of catching up. You know, I'm always uh, looking forward to our football chats. You're kind of, you know, it's funny. When I started the podcast, I never knew that I would just meet some really cool people around the football world, and you're definitely up there. You know, we we talk all the time about. I'm really looking forward to our conversation uh, today, just talking about uh, obviously Barcelona and the La Liga. Uh, especially in this break as we enter the World Cup. So basically, I just want to start with a little bit of Barca and then kind of take us through some of the main talking points that are going around in La Liga. First, you know, with Barcelona, how would you assess, you know, FC Barcelona and Xavi's kind of coaching performance? Because they are in first place in La Liga, but they're out of champions. And my friend who just left my apartment right now, we were just talking about this. He said, are you excited about that? So what does... How do you assess that, you know, as a first place in La Liga right now, but out of champions and, and Europa League? Yeah, difficult. It's, first of all, it's, you know, I think it's a good time to assess, as you say. We've got this break now ahead of the World Cup. It's not the middle of the season exactly, but it sort of feels like it. And of course, Xavi has been there pretty much a year, hasn't he? So uh, I think it was November the, the 5th or 6th that he joined last year. And so we're, we've just gone past that. Uh, and I think it was uh, a couple of weeks ago that he w- had an anniversary of like 38 matches in, in La Liga as well, you know, across both seasons. So it's a good time to judge. And yeah, there's um, positives and, and negatives, obviously, because, you know, dropping out of the Champions League down to the Europa League for the second season in, the ro- in a row. I mean, that's not what, what anybody had in mind at Barcelona. It was bad enough last season, but of course, last season, Xavi came in, they were already in a difficult position uh, with some indifferent results under Ronald Koeman and he, he wasn't able to, to turn that around. This season, with all the investment in the summer, all of the money that they spent, the, the financial levers and or the big effort that they made uh, with money that they didn't really have um, you know, to, to get those funds, they would have expected better. But I, still, I think it's definitely a, a team... In reconstruction, we have to say that. Um, and, you know, we have to look at the circumstances. They had a difficult group. It was a very difficult group. Uh, you know, Bayern and, and Inter in the same group. Um, they had some bad luck as well. I, you know, some decisions maybe here and there. Still a disappointment, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, you have to to, to, to look at the, the form in La Liga as well, the top of the table, uh, Defensively, they've been very strong this season, and they've won most of their games. You know, apart from the the, the draw against Rayo on the opening weekend, and obviously the, the Clásico. You know, that looked like um, you know it was going to give Real Madrid the advantage, but Barca have, have kept winning since then, and so I've been impressed with them. And I think the mentality is improving. And like I say, I think they're in reconstruction. So overall, I would say definitely more positive than the negatives. Again, we've, you know, I've talked about this to no end about what I think about the 
this kind of quarter one, you know, I kind of take it, we look at quarters, you know, quarter one assessment of so far. And I definitely think there are definitely some positives. I still am looking for some coaching development of players, especially the young players that are getting more playing time. You know, obviously with Pedri, Gavi, these type of players, I wanted to see Chavi's touch on them, you know, to see what he's actually implementing them to help develop. So I'm kind of looking for that. And again, yeah, it was a tough group, but I'm still, I still think we're lacking or Barcelona is still lacking this survive and advance in any way possible for European nights. And I still find that balance really difficult. Now, going back to some of these young players that Barcelona have been playing, like Balde and Gavi, for example, has there anybody, any youngster or any player on Barcelona's roster that's kind of impressed you in this first um, half of the season or this first mini half of the season? Yeah, well, uh, the obvious answer in, if you're looking at the whole squad, uh, Lewandowski has <laughs> been very impressive. You know, um, a lot of people, when Barca signed him or in previous seasons, kind of mocked him on social media for playing in a so-called, you know, farmers league, uh, for playing in a in a league with with one team, you know, much stronger than the rest. Um, but now we're seeing it. He's replicated that form from the Bundesliga in the. Um, in La Liga, I think it's 18 goals now in his first 19 games. And, you know, some of them have been just incredible goals as well. Amazing technique. Uh, all kinds of different goals as well. I've been really, really impressed with him. I mean, I thought that, that he would do well, but I think he's exceeded even my expectations of how well, um, you know, I thought he would do. So uh, that's the obvious answer. And um, the other one he have already mentioned is Balde. I think he's been really, really good. Um, somebody I didn't maybe expect to to come in and, and, and play so well this season, but yeah, you know, he's really really impressed me. And uh, you know, I thought in the end he could have made it into Spain's squad for the World Cup as well. I thought he was a little bit unlucky not to have gone to to Qatar for the World Cup. But yeah, really exciting player. And um, yeah, Gavi, of course, you mentioned also still extremely young. Spain's number nine. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, I don't know what's going on with that. But, uh, you know, again, he's impressed me. Um, Anzu Fati coming back, uh, looking good. Yeah, there's a, a lot of, uh, I think, exciting players. Uh, and I would agree with you, you know, with your comment about uh, Xavi's touch. I think Xavi is, as well is still learning. He's still trying to implement his ideas, even after uh, a year uh, being in charge, I suppose, has been quite a turnaround of players as well. So, um, yeah, I think they're still gelling. I think uh, there's, there's definitely improvements needed. And and the European form is, is, is one to keep an eye on because it's it's been a, a while now, hasn't it? You know, it started even um, under Luis Enrique, the, the decline in, in Europe, and then carried on with through Valverde, Setien, with Messi there, and now with Messi gone, with Koeman, Xavi. And uh, yeah, that's definitely something Barcelona need to improve on. With Balde, I think most Kules are super excited for him uh, getting more playing time. The thing I'm most impressed with him is just the way he plays defense on the ball. I think it is one of those most underrated things that he does. Uh, defend or Attackers know they can't just beat him to the corner and they have to kind of cycle that back. And I think that is really useful. And I just want to see more minutes. And like you said, I think it was unlucky that he wasn't on the called up on our Luis Enrique's team because I think he would have really benefited from them. I think he's primed to take that next step. And I think he is one of the best 
left backs that Spain have right now. And I just, you know, over Jordi Alba, I mean, I would have taken them over Jordi Alba. You know, I think in this type of tournament of the World Cup, you need youth and you need speed. And I think having that in the, the ace in the hole is a nice thing to have. And I understand Luis Enrique probably has more confidence with Jordi Alba because of the history and so forth. So I get all that. Yeah, um, Although, you know, Luis Enrique fell out with Jordi Alba when they were uh, both of that them. That is true. They were at Barcelona towards the end. And then if you remember when he became Spain coach, he didn't pick Jordi Alba for quite a while. And it seemed like, you know, that, that he'd, uh, yeah, as they say in Spanish, you know, given him the, the cruz. And, and yeah, then yeah. he comes back and now he's um, he's in every squad and he's at the World Cup. So uh, you, you just can't predict what Luis Enrique is going to do. But um, no, I agree with you about, uh, about Balde. Defensively, he's very hard to beat. Really like the way he he gets up and down the pitch um, in attack as well. He's he's got a lot to offer, so he can only get better and better. And uh, yeah, big plus. And he has he's already got the skill too. You know, for the most part, with the ball control, the passing out of the back. I think that is yeah. obviously learning that from La Masia and so forth. The other thing I you know obviously I have two things for you. Uh, new streamer Luis Enrique. I don't know if you saw that news that he's going to be streaming during the World Cup to give more unfiltered insights, which you know. You take it for the grain of salt. He's still going to be filtered, obviously. I don't know if you saw that announcement. I did. I did. I actually <laughs> uh, I tweeted about it last night. In fact, um, yeah, it, it surprised me because Luis Enrique, like I say, he's, he's very difficult to predict. But we know that Luis Enrique has a difficult relationship with journalists. Oh yeah. And, uh, I don't personally have any 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 bad experiences with him, but I've been in the press room, you know, a number of times when I've thought. Mm, Goodness me! <laughs> His reaction there is yeah, perhaps a little exaggerated. He's 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 a prickly character. Oh yeah, so oh yeah. If he's like that with the journalist, you have to wonder how he's going to be like with the fans uh, and and the comments he's going to get from keyboard warriors on. <laughs> oh yeah, like, which you know well about. You know about the keyboard warriors. You know. Yeah, of course, of course, and uh, yeah, someone sat behind the keyboard. They they really don't care though. <laughs> and, uh, they'll happily insult you even if they don't know you so uh, yeah it's, it's going to be interesting but I think it's a refreshing thing also something I mentioned when I uh, tweeted about it last night was that um, it has been said in Spain uh, by by some people I was reading last night that uh, yeah, perhaps it's a, a way of you know, him trying to take pressure away and spotlight away from his players so he's sort of bringing all the attention and all the spotlight onto himself. Uh, and then the players can kind of get on with the job of playing football and, and winning matches. But it's going to be very interesting to see, especially after, you know, um, if there's a, a defeat or a not sure. result. And then how is he going to react then? So, uh, yeah, I'm all for it, though. Yeah, yeah. The last thing I want to talk about with Barcelona is just how they're going to manage this schedule because – you know, there's so many teams right now in La Liga that are going to be playing on Thursday nights, you know, and Barca is going to be one of those. Is there, do you think there's going to be a significant change for these players and Xavi as a coaching staff to adapt to the Thursday, Sunday, as opposed to the Tuesday, Wednesday, and maybe possibly Saturday uh, that Real Madrid are going to have during the week? Yeah, it could potentially give an advantage to Real Madrid, obviously, if they're playing Tuesdays and then Saturday or Sunday. Saturday, that's, yeah. That's better than playing Thursday and Sunday, um, we've seen it a little bit with um, Arsenal in in the Premier League. They've looked a little bit tired um, by playing on Sundays after uh, Europa League nights 
on a Thursday. And that's with making quite a few changes into the team as well. Um, it's difficult because it's not just it's not just who you play on a Thursday night. It's it's also the the travel. Um, you know, if you've got uh, away games in Europe on a Thursday night, you're traveling very very late that night to get back. Um, maybe even early hours of the morning, and then you have to get straight back into training for a La Liga game at the weekend. It could potentially be difficult. We'll have to see how they deal with that. But um, yeah, I think Javi um, will have to to um, to juggle the squad. Obviously, they, they did it already last year. So yeah, <laughs> in a way, they'll, they'll be used to it. It's not ideal, but um, yeah, I, I think they'll play. Yeah, the last thing too is how La Liga is going to deal with it because there's so many La Liga teams playing on Thursday night that it's going to create a little bit of chaos with the scheduling going forward because, you know, with the staggered starts that happen in La Liga, that's going to be an interesting conundrum as well going forward, especially when they come back from World Cup. That's right, Gabriel. It's not easy because, you know, you've got one Monday night game, Monday night slot available, but the rest will have to play on Sunday and then organizing you know, the slots, as you say, it's it's difficult, and uh, that's without Atletico, who you know could have made it into the Europa League as well, but didn't didn't yeah. even qualify for that in the end. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it all works out. I'm, I'm sure they'll find a way. All right, let's take our quick tour around some of these La Liga teams. I kind of forward you some of the questions I had for some of these teams, and the first team, obviously, I want to kind of highlight or talk about is Real Madrid. Now, here in Spain, especially here in Madrid, is the narrative about Vinicius Jr., you know, about him always being a target and getting, like, too many fouls, obviously, from the Madridista point of view. Why do so many people outside of Madrid enjoy seeing him fail? Is it just, like, quite simply because he's so good, do you think? Or is it because of the Brazilian flair, the showboating, and he's good? Yeah, you know, I think it's, um, I think it's the latter. You know, obviously he's 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 a good player. He's outrageously talented, but there's a bit of the Neymar about him, isn't yeah. there? You know, people used to um, react in the same way to to Neymar because he was provocative as well. There's a little bit of showboating about him. He seems to upset opponents, rival fans. Sometimes even his teammates don't seem thrilled, totally enamoured with him. So, um, I mean, obviously the the, the racism issue. That's completely unacceptable and um, just horrible that we're still seeing. Yeah. Uh, but he does seem to wind people up, and I do think there's an element of that, and that's why maybe he's been targeted um, by by you know uh, opponents and and by yeah. rival fans as well. No, I think that's that's the the elephant in the room, right? Is the is the race and the racism issue that still continues here in Spain, obviously, and that issue along with the showboating and also how good he is, right? You know, there are some there are some things, you know, when you do watch him play where he does obviously fall quickly to the ground to get the fouls, which kind of bothers me as a just as a football fan. But yeah, it's I think it's definitely a combination of all three of those things, uh, the targeting and so forth. I mean, we'll see what he does in the World Cup. I think he's definitely primed to have a good tournament i mean he's playing you know the knock on him before was that he wasn't able to score goals but now he's able to score goals and i think he's really going to help brazil uh advance out of their qualifying and and have them go on a deep run what do you think no i would agree i think brazil are very strong i think probably with argentina the two most informed teams going into the world cup and vinicius has come on tremendously if you look back to 
when he started out, he was ridiculed by many for his, um, you know, inability to finish. Really, you know, I remember the the first goals that he scored were were all sort of deflections. Yeah, and, um, yeah, he'd, he'd get into these amazing positions and just couldn't finish them off. And now he's added that to his game, um, you know, uh, along with the, the 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 running and the dribbling ability and the skills, and the flicks and tricks that he had in his locker. And uh, yeah, he's it's incredibly imp- impressive. Yeah, but he probably needs to cut out some of the other stuff as well. I'd say. Yeah, we touched on this before, but I I really am nervous coming back from the World Cup and having uh, this advantage for Real Madrid you know, having the Tuesday, Wednesday slash Saturday combo, because I just think they're going to have a lot of rest. And I just think that's going to really help them, especially with the players that they have going on the tournament. I mean, do you really, I mean, if we look at the, you know, when we come back from the world cup and all these games, do you think that could really kind of curtail the season for Barcelona and Madrid, who are both fighting for that top spot? I think we need to see how the players um, return from the world cup for both teams. Obviously, um, Real Madrid have a big worry with, with Karim Benzema at the moment. He hasn't been fit for the last three games, uh, which coincided with a, a dramatic dip in form for them. And he's still not fit. I read today that he he pulled out of training for France. So um, how he he's doing after the World Cup is going to be a big thing for Real Madrid in the rest of their season because the, you know they rely on him so much and they haven't really got a replacement. So... Um, that's a big thing. Tony Kroos is not at the World Cup with Germany. I think that's an advantage for, for Madrid. But obviously, there are plenty of other Madrid players who are there. So, um, yeah, I think uh, we'll have to see how yeah, how uh, all the, their players are when they get back. And that's the same with Barca as well. Um, and see where we are. It could be an advantage, obviously, uh, the calendar, as you mentioned. Barca are obviously going to be without Lewandowski for a few games after the competition as well, because uh, he was sent off in the last game. So that's a worry because you know, talk about Madrid being reliant upon Benzema. But I think uh, it's similar, probably a similar story with uh, with Lewandowski. I mean, his goals have been so important to, to Barca this season. Obviously, um, the last game they were able to come through at Osasuna, which was massive, even after his red card. Um, so, um, yeah, that that's potentially... Um, a worry, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see how they how the players get back after after the World Cup in terms of fitness and 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 go from there, I guess. But you know, Barca have looked strong in in La Liga, so um, yeah, you, you would in a way uh, they would be the ones who wouldn't want it to stop now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they've sure. got the momentum. They've they come from behind after losing the Classico and now gone back in front and gone on this really good run and now it stops. So it's it's going to be like the start of the season again, how who can get going quickly, more quickly. And um, yeah, I, I do feel this season that Barcelona have been winning games more convincingly though than Real Madrid. If you look at the how Madrid have been conceding uh, virtually one goal per game all season, uh, whereas Barca have been uh, you know getting clean sheet after clean sheet the defense has been very good um Ter Stegen has been back on form so um yeah I think um I think Barca are favorites I said that at the beginning of the season I would stand by that at the moment but the, the World Cup throws a bit of a spanner in the works definitely 
Yeah, I think I think coming back from the World Cup, obviously we'll see, you know, obviously the injury situation, the tiredness situation. I think it's really going to benefit the middle of the pack teams, you know, kind of as we see in the beginning of the season where they're not in competitions, they're going to be fully rested. I think they're really going to give the top tier teams some issues, especially the teams that have a lot of players that had traveled. All right, let's go across town. This is obviously the biggest polemica that's happening here in Madrid, and that is mm-hmm. Atletico Madrid and the Simeone situation. Is it his last season? Do you think it's his last season, or do you think they carry on with him? Uh, going? I know he has a contract till 2024. I know he's got that. But I don't know, man. I just think it's you run your welcome. You know, the message becomes stale. Uh, you need a new voice. He's been there for quite a long time, you know? Yeah, he has. I don't know if it's his last season, Gabriel. I wouldn't bet on it being his last season because, you know, this has been said before. It's been said on on several occasions and, you know, he keeps coming back and sometimes he'll come back with a new team and then they'll go and win a a big title and uh, or or have a great season. So um, I wouldn't write him off. Certainly they've had some miserable results lately, obviously getting knocked out of the Champions League, then not even making it into the Europa League. Then you know losing to to Cadiz, uh, yeah, losing again and dropping out the top four. You know it's just been one thing after the other. So I would say this break probably comes at a really good time for Atletico Madrid. They need to reset and uh, you know start all over again. Don't know. I mean things do seem worse now, but then again they're right there in terms of the top four. If they put together a run like they did last season, um, qualify for the Champions League, it's not a disastrous season. And I think with Atletico, it's, you know, maybe you, it's time. Maybe it is time. But, you know, choosing a successor to yeah. Simeone is going to be very, very difficult as well after everything he's achieved in these, I think it's, what, 11 years now, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. The club. Uh, it's going to be very difficult to replace. So uh, I wouldn't write him off yet. What I do think is that, um, I don't know if, you have more questions on Atletico, but uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I think I do. you seem to be a little bit in decline. Well, I think you know. I think the biggest issue is you know there's no style that you can identify with this team. And the other thing too is with the attacking front that they have with Carrasco, Morata, Griezmann, Jao Felix. I, and Correa too. I just don't know why they can't score more goals. I mean, that is a potent attacking front you know you have the playmaking the passing the height the speed you have all the things you want in an attacking front and i don't know why you know they're not able to score more goals and vice versa what happened to the hard-nosed defense that atletico have been portrayed under simeone you know the defense right now is very lackluster and you can score against them and that used to be their calling card you know when they would go away for these away games you knew that they were going to pitch a shutout, if anything. You know, they were going to pitch a shutout, and maybe they could score the away goal, but you knew they were going to come up with a, an away uh, a shutout. And now, you know, for example, when they went to Bruges, like, what? Like, <laughs> and losing 3 nothing or 2 nothing, Like, those are the scores that I just can't understand. And I don't know if it's the players or they're just losing concentration on defense. I mean, because you still have Oblak, who's still a significant goalkeeper in Europe, and they still have a decent back line, but I just, I, you know, the mistakes that they've been making, especially uh, the last night in Champions League with the through balls that were, they were allowing, I think it was against Benfica. I mean, it was just crazy. Yeah, no, completely agree. I think they've definitely lost something over the years. You know, if, go back to his first team. 
uh, his first teams, really, the first few seasons he had uh, in charge. And, you know, they were so hungry, weren't they? Players with points to prove, arguably as well, and not really been replaced. You look at the likes of Godin, uh, Gabi, uh, mm-hmm. Diego Costa, Juan Fran, Felipe Luis, uh, even you know, Thomas, who went to Arsenal. And, you know, this, by comparison, this team seems a little bit wet, a little bit soft, maybe. Uh, I don't think uh, that they've been managed. They've, they've managed to find the same kind of players who really um, sort of symbolise uh, you know, Simeone's style on the pitch. And I think that's where they've they've lost something over the years. You know, the, the also the most successful seasons they've had. Certainly, in La Liga have come when Real Madrid and Barcelona have struggled, and this this season. They're both very strong, so um, it, it's difficult. Um, I think it's a combination of factors. Another one is, I would say, haven't really evolved. Simeon is a great coach, but his football isn't really <laughs> progressive. It's not really evolving. Uh, and, and, and other teams are. You know, we've seen it with, with Mourinho, that his, um, you know, um, football is not working anymore at the very highest level. It hasn't been now for quite a few years. And now if we look at the, the peak of uh, Atletico under Simeone, it's 2014 um, when they won La Liga, they got to the Champions League final, 2016 when they got to the Champions League final again. I know they won La Liga again a couple of seasons ago, um, but I would say their peak was a little bit earlier. And in recent seasons in Europe, they just they really haven't threatened uh, you know, at all. I don't think they've got beyond the quarterfinals now of the Champions League in a while. And I think um, I think that's why. So, yeah, I think it's a, a combination of factors. And you talk about the um, why why they're not um, a better attacking team with all those exciting attacking yeah. And I think it's, it's the, it comes down to the midfield, doesn't it? You know, it's, yeah. He's defence first. And uh, and it's it's a reactive type of football not a proactive type of football and I don't think it that kind of style of football works as well as it did a few years ago yeah and my last question with Atletico is why is Simeone just so reluctant to start Jao Felix because when I look at this team Jao Felix is the one player that jumps out of me that I get really scared of if I were the other team just because of the sheer talent that he has and I know he hasn't converted at a high clip of goals but I just think he's the most exciting player that they have. He's super young. And I don't know what he or what else he has to do. I mean, apparently Simeone has been saying that he hasn't been practicing hard enough and doing the things he's been asking. I get that. I mean, if the coach is looking for something. But I just feel you can't just snub the talent. You know, the talent is just too good that I think you just have to roll the dice and just play with him. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I would agree with you. But <laughs> no, no, I do. I do agree with you. And that uh, I'd love to see more of Joao Felix. I yeah. Exciting. And every time I see him, you know, sometimes he'll come off the bench. What was that? The day that they lost to Caddies, mm-hmm. I think it was, he came off the bench and he scored two goals, but they still lost right at the end. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm confused. Maybe I'm mixing up. I can't remember. But um, he always seems to make an impact. He always seems to, you know, he's got. Uh, he can shoot from distance. He, he can run. He's fast. He can dribble. He gets in good positions. But I just think, you know, Simeone is stubborn. 
He's very yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think <laughs> João Felix hasn't fully adapted to what he wants. And Simeone places a lot of importance on defensive contribution. And I don't think, uh, in that regard, João Felix does exactly what he wants. I don't think he shows the intensity that Simeone wants. And uh, yeah, maybe his attitude at times as well. We've seen him uh, react, you know, like when he's not brought on, like throw his. Uh, his peto down on the yeah, floor. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you can understand the frustrations. One of the most expensive players in the history of football, and it, you know, really, really exciting. He'd be getting into a lot of teams across Europe. The fact that he can't start for Atletico is uh, you know, surprising, really. Um, there was an interesting Simeone quote. It was about a month ago. He said, um, "Sorry, actually, it, it, it was a year ago that I found." He said. He'll keep getting angry with me, but over time he'll be grateful. And and that kind of sums up the, the, this idea of how Simeone wants Joao Felix to learn his yeah. style of football. Uh, and the fact that he's not playing week in, week out, the fact that he's not starting matches um, and only is coming on sometimes when they really, really need him shows me that Simeone is not quite happy with how he's adapted to, to that style and that philosophy at this point. But um it's a shame because uh, you feel that even if they lose something a little bit defensively, um, you know, what he has to offer in an attacking sense, you would think, gives the team so much more. Yeah. I mean, Simeone being stubborn is the understatement of the century because just look at his hair plugs and his hair, right? Like he still wants to have that hair. So <laughs> I just... <laughs> No, yeah, yeah well, that's a lot of times how they're doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holding on to that hair, baby. But um, the other thing with Jao Felix, you know, I always say if a player is on the opening credits of a La Liga match, there's something to it. And Jao Felix is one of those players that they highlight in the La Liga intro, you know. And to me, he's one of the players that I want to see all the time. And I just wish Simeone would just just let him play. And I it just sounds funny that quote that you wrote read just sounds like a father speaking to a son, you know, 20 years later, you know, just that kind of gratefulness, yeah. you know, just trying to figure that out. Yeah. 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 He'll learn. <laughs> we'll see. And the thing is, it's, it's also been a while now, isn't it? I think he signed in 2019. So yeah. we're three years into this, you know, it's not, uh, it's not getting any better at the moment. Yeah. And there's definitely a player in there waiting to, to really explode. So I have a few teams left. Let's go travel South. Let's go with Betty's first and Sevilla. With Betis, you know, are they just the darlings of La Liga? I feel like no one really has anything hateful or vengeful, except for Sevilla fans, obviously, <laughs> to course. say about, yeah, to say anything about Betis. I mean, I, I, you know, with Pellegrini as the coach, I think he has them playing in a style that is entertaining. He's, you know, been there for a while. They're doing well in Europa League. They, you know, they check the marks for a quality La Liga team. I wish they were a little bit higher. They're currently in six. Do you think they have a great chance of getting into that Champions League uh, fourth place? Yeah, I do. As you say, Gabriel, they're so enjoyable. You know, Pellegrini teams are always exciting to watch, and this Betis team are, are no different. They're already exciting to watch, but with Pellegrini, I think I feel like they've they've gone up a notch. Obviously, they had the the Copa del Rey last season win that was amazing after so many years without a trophy. There's uh, Joaquin, who's just uh, yeah, of course. Hugely who doesn't who doesn't love him, right? Yeah, he's a huge, <laughs> huge, 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 character, and uh, 
and a great footballer to watch. But yeah. just, uh, just uh, you know, amazing um, character and, you know, a symbol of Betis now. And, uh, you know, they've got lots of lovely footballers, haven't they? Canales as well is, is, is so exciting and, you know, can consider himself very unfortunate not to be at the World Cup. Yeah. They've got brilliant fans, uh, great atmosphere, uh, you know, the attractive football. There's a, really a lot to like uh, about Betis. And, uh, you know, I definitely enjoyed watching them under Setien as well uh, a few years back before Setien went to, to Barca, obviously. And, uh, yeah, I feel like uh, this, this Betis team are even better. So, yeah, can they make the Champions League? Yes, definitely. But there are a few teams um, sure. in the, in the yeah. race. Yeah, to be, yeah. It's so close right now that it's changing, isn't it? Week in, week, eight, week, in, week out. And um, uh, the moment is the, the Basque teams in third and fourth. Uh, but Osasuna right up there. I don't think they'll challenge for, for the Champions League. But, um, you know, Villarreal are not that far away. Valencia aren't that far away either. So I think there's about... Is it about 12, 13 points or something separating uh, from from fourth place right down to almost the relegation zone. So, uh, yeah, there's so many teams still in contention. I just think that Pellegrini is just the perfect match for that team and that city, right? I just think he, he knows because he's got so much experience coaching, right? He just knows what to expect of the players. I feel like the players have really high respect for him. It just seems to work really well. And it's really hard to find because... We're going to jump across town to Sevilla Football Club. You know, Lopetegui, we talked about this in the preseason. We both didn't think he was going to last that long just because of the turmoil that was happening. And now San Paoli is in. But do you think anything's going to change going forward with them? I mean, you know, they've had uh, some up and downs, obviously, with San Paoli coming in. But still, they just, you know, they have kind of the lack of talent on the bench. But also, they're just struggling on every front playing uh, week in and week out. Yeah, no, they have. And they're not, you know, they're still in trouble. And they're still yeah. right <laughs> down there and you know, near the bottom. I do think they have too much quality to go down, definitely. But not much has changed. There's been, there have been signs here and there. There have been some decent performances since Samboli took over. Uh, but ultimately, they haven't really um, improved much in terms of their league position. So, um yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, d I think it, it comes down to squad planning, doesn't it? We spoke about yeah. it at the time. Uh, you know, Monchi, for, for all his brilliance over the years, I think this time, you know, um, selling the, the, the two central defenders, not properly replacing them, uh, I don't think it was a, a good transfer window for, for Sevilla. It left Lopetegui really vulnerable and... And even now with the coaching change, there hasn't been much improvement. So that shows me that it's it's not all Lopetegui's fault. And I think we could see it coming. Um, I think they'll be okay. I do think they'll be okay, but probably mid-table now. Uh, if yeah. they go on a run, maybe they can challenge for Europe. I don't think they'll 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 be right down there at the bottom. But uh, yeah, it's a, a disappointing um, summer window yeah. for the year and it'd be interesting to see now whether they look to um to bring in a few players in in january because they they could do with it to be honest i i just have a hard time trusting a manager that always wears warm-ups i mean that's just <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> right? Yeah, but Guardiola does that a little bit. <laughs> I know, I know. But Sao Paulo is like ready to come into the match at any moment. Like they, we need an extra player. He's ready to go. He's ready to go. Um, the <laughs> last. <laughs> He, uh, there's a great story about Sampoli where from the beginning of his um, uh, coaching career when he watched the match from up a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if this was in Argentina or in, it might have been in Paraguay or somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it started out in really small teams. But yeah, he's a real character for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love, I mean, just the, the, the tattoo sleeve that he has and everything, you know, he's, he's quite the character. And speaking of characters, my last question, the last city I want to visit is Valencia home of Paella, uh, you know, we both were kind of laughing at the appointment of Gattuso. He has them playing well, but I don't know how sustainable the play is because to me it's not something that's tactically that he's doing. It's just motivation. And, you know, I just think, yeah, he, he's giving them a boost of motivation and energy and that, this idea. I always laugh because when they always show the highlights after the match, him trying to hug the players, it's always very awkward because he's so passionate about this. Do you think it's sustainable? Like, do you think it's Valencia is definitely a player going forward, or do you think this is just kind of the first initial bump, and then we'll kind of see after the World Cup that we really need coaching and tactical purpose to continue to push for fourth place? I don't know. Uh, you know, when we spoke last time about Gaduzo, <laughs> I know that uh, we had our concerns definitely, and yeah. I would say. Those concerns are still there. Uh, more than his coaching style, I was just concerned that he's such an explosive character. And obviously, Valencia, we know about the, the problems that they've had, the problems with the, the, the owners uh, and the board, how difficult it can be to work at Valencia and arguments over transfers, the way Marcelino was was dismissed, uh, the problems that, that he had, and then um, other coaches as well subsequently. So... Um, yeah, I was. Um, I, um, yeah, Bordelas, wasn't it after after Marcelo? Yeah. yeah so I, 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 my concerns were, were more about that. Obviously, Gattuso is a, is a decent coach. He had a, uh, a a good spell at Napoli. Obviously, they just missed out in the Champions League right at the end, didn't they? When he was there, but yeah, I don't know. Positive so far. Uh, I would agree with you that he's more of a motivator, perhaps, than a than a tactician. But it's. It, it's firing them up at the moment. Yeah. If we can continue that, then, um, then you know maybe it, it, it can go well. They're in that cluster of teams at the moment, in the middle of the the table, and it could still go either way. But they they had a slow start to the season. They've definitely picked up. Uh, they're hard to beat, and uh, yeah, at the moment things are going well. But it could change at any time. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to make any predictions either way. I mean, I, it's just funny because I think this happens a lot in American football and also in football too. These type of managers that come in to really motivate the team. I think you you get that initial bump and that that helps to motivate the team and these players. But I think over a long period of time, it just wears off because it, there's so many times that you can hear the same message, the same intensity, because, you know, these are professional players. You know, I just think you really have to reason with them. You have to show them tactically. And also you have to outcoach the opponent. It's not just about me trying the 10% harder on a Wednesday night in Stoke, you know, that type of idea. That's going to give me the, the run. And we'll do it in initial, sure. But over the long term, maybe this is one of the issues with Atletico too, is that maybe that message of intensity and fight, fight, fight 
you just kind of, you know, it's really hard to keep that intensity. It doesn't even matter in, in football and in, in work and whatever. It's just really hard to keep that that high intensity all the time. I mean, you just burn out. Sure. I mean, we were talking about Simeone earlier. Which, you know, we touched on Mourinho. I think, actually, Mourinho is probably more of a motivator than he is a tactician as well. And I think a lot of Mourinho's ideas are more about stopping the opponent than, uh, than about building play. And I think that's why he's had problems because I think football has evolved and progressed. I think there are a lot more progressive coaches out there now than there were uh, maybe 10 years ago when Mourinho was ultra successful. And uh, yeah, so you, you, you're right with, with Gattuso. So maybe it will wear off. Uh, maybe it won't. But for the moment it's working and uh yeah, we'll see. Valencia are a bit of a soap opera, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll have to wait to see what the next um, chapter brings, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I mentioned before, I really want Valencia to be a power player because I think when Valencia is good, Betis is good, the league is just so much stronger. The rivalries are much better. Obviously, the crowds in Valencia and the crowds in Betis are second to none, and I just love seeing those stadiums full. And it really made me sad the last couple of years to see Valencia just in such turmoil with base, you know, with no support basically because the teams were just so bad to watch and the, obviously the performance. So I hope it's a little bit more sustainable because yeah. I just don't want to see Valencia go through another coach for another year, you know? Right. Yeah, and I would agree. You know, talk about the the grandes, you know, the, yeah. in, in Spain and Valencia are definitely one of those clubs. You know, they've got an incredible history, an amazing stadium, which by the way, I think is hundred years old next year, Mestalla. Oh. Great play. I know they're building the trying to build a new one they've been trying for a long time but who knows if that will ever happen yeah yeah they're, they're definitely um a, a huge club and uh yeah i would agree with you that yeah it, it's spanish football it is healthier when when valencia are doing well i like i like to see it too so uh fingers crossed <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know if there's any other teams that you wanted to highlight or any other players before i let you go i think there's some good stories this season the two basque teams doing well obviously Real Sociedad and yeah. third and fourth at the moment good to see and uh, uh, Imanol uh, I really like as a as a coach me too me too and I think I'm just going to put this out there maybe a future Spain coach I think he, oh yeah I think it could be nice in, in the future I think he would fit in really well I think he's a, a kind of um I remember when, when they won the Copa del Rey, you know, did his celebrations and, you know, um, how happy he was and how loved he is by the, by everyone yeah. in that city and by the fans and by the, by the players. It's just, it, I think it would be, it, it would be nice. And, you know, athletic as well. The, the, the two Williams brothers, athletic, yeah. so exciting. Um, both of them, um, obviously La Real, we've got Merino and, and Bryce Mendes, um, who've been good to watch also. Then um, Rayo, uh, going really well with Iraola, who I think is another coach who is probably destined for big things in future. Just really exciting. I mean, they've, they beat Real Madrid 3-2 um, a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Well, not long ago. They drew away at Camp Nou, the first opening weekend of the season. Um, yep. they've, they've had some really, really good results this season. And uh, for a small team like Rayo, that's just, just very exciting. Uh, what else? Chimi Avila back at Osasuna doing it again after a long-term injury. I think it's really good to see. So, um, 
yeah, he's a player who um, I really enjoy watching. There's the, the passion that he brings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the tattoos, everything. He's, uh, yeah, and he scored a, a couple of really nice goals um, in, in one of their recent games. Uh, and they've been doing well, Sasuna. Um, it was the, the game before Barcelona, wasn't it? I can't remember who they, who they beat. But, yeah, but yeah. They're, they're right there in that pack, as we talked right about. Right there in that pack. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're overachieving. There's really nothing in it. It changes from week to week. Interesting to see the transition now from uh, Emery to Setien. At the, uh, <laughs> two very different styles. Oh, yeah. Um, and, but, and personalities, too, you know? Yeah, personalities. But they've got a, the basis of a very good squad there. Yeah. And so, uh, and I think they have the, the kind of players who can adapt also to his kind of football. You know, how I mentioned, you know how I mentioned I don't really trust managers who wear warm-ups during matches? I don't trust managers who want to do rondas in practice like Setien. Setien loves doing that. And I just like it's yeah. such a weird thing because I understand he wants to keep youthful and do that. But it just it's always played for the cameras. And I just I think it's really weird. Oh, well, because uh, he's, he's taking part in the rondas. Yes. Yeah, 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 for <laughs> sure. The last thing really quick before I let you go, I think – Real Sociedad is one of those sleeping giants. I mean, you know, from living here, they don't get much press outside of the Basque country, but that team is really good. And the manager, who's the manager again of, of Sociedad? What's his name again? Manol Alguacil. He's just a quality professional football manager, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, the way he speaks, I always feel he has control of the team control the game plan, the team plays hard for them, and it's not just a one-and-done type of thing. I mean, you can see it because it's been a couple of seasons. But like you said, I think he would be a good call because I always look at the coaches, not only the coaches that can do well with less, obviously something like with Rio, you know, when you have less talent pool and less spending and you can compete with the big boys, but also with, you know, with Sociedad just being a, you know, a quality club with a nice stadium a good fan base, you know, and the way he's able to just, I mean, they won the group in Europa, like so easily, you know, like they were, they just, they just cruised. They just did it professionally. Like it wasn't drama about it. And there's something to it to be able to just do that on a weekend, weekend basis. So I, I hats off to me, hats off to them for doing that. And just, again, they're another team that when they're good, they help elevate the league as well. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, they're up to third and they're a couple of points ahead of Athletic in fourth and, and Atletico. And actually, uh, there's some interesting quotes from Imanol after their last game. He said, I'm, I'm very happy to be where we are. But he said, I think we should have won more points. So obviously, um, you know, he thinks they could have done even better. So yeah. uh, it's been a very impressive start to the season from them. So, yeah, hopefully that continues. The race for the top four with them, at Athletic potentially um, you know, Atletico, uh, Valencia, Villarreal, maybe not. There's a lot of teams in it this year. So, yeah, it's going to be good. Well, I've taken enough of your time. I always love our football chats as always. So, Ben, thanks for joining me as always. Absolute pleasure, Gabriel. See you soon. Podcast Network.